0: Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show, everybody. Today is June third, two thousand sixteen. My name is Jonathan. I'll be your host for today. Joining me in our virtual studio from all over the planet today, we have Tiff, Erica, Doug, uh, Elliot, and our guest today, Fox. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hey. So today we're going to be talking about applied kinesiology. Um commonly referred to as muscle testing which is a technique that taps into the circuitry of the human biocomputer um our guest today fox is going to be sharing a uh, background information personal experience with applied kinesiology and how an experienced practitioner can establish a dialogue with your with the body uh, accessing its innate circuitry and information field to help determine imbalances and find corrections for those imbalances so it's a pretty fascinating topic um and I'm really excited to get into this. Uh, Fox, why don't we start if you want to uh, just give us some background, like how, how did you get into this and what's your experience with kinesiology?
1: Sure thing. Um, yeah, so uh, let's see. It was the first time I, I went to an applied kinesiologist. I mean, well, let me go back even further. Um, kind of like what uh, kind of like started me on this path, more or less, was um, working with computers actually. Um, you know it's kind of a good good connection between applied kinesiology uh, and interacting with the human body that way um, you know with the the computer biocomputer model so you know basically like i spent a bunch of time working with computers i broke them all the time i had to fix them um you know so i got into i basically learned like problem analysis and problem solving that way and you know just kind of like going throughout my life you know dealing with doctors or whatever for you know, whatever, whatever thing was coming up. Um, and, you know, I just kind of chronically found their diagnostic skills to be lacking. You know, go to a doctor and you're like, okay, so I have this problem. And I'm like, well, we don't know what that is. It's idiopathic. It's, it's an itis. And you're like, okay, so how do I solve it? You know, so this was, I was kind of like, uh, in, chronically unimpressed by doctors. So, um, flash forward to, uh, college. And I'm taking a class on biomedicine, which uh, you know, is, is generally like, you know, what's referred to as modern Western medicine. You go to a the doctor, they're a biomedical doctor, and um, you know, we're taking this class, and there's a student in the class who's like, oh, you know, uh, I know an acupuncturist, and we were talking about other medical systems too, and she was like, oh yeah, we could, you know, we'd probably come in for a talk, so we came in for a talk, and I was like, well, it's you know, interesting. I don't know anything about acupuncture, just totally ignorant on the topic. Um, I mean, I was a physics major before, so, you know, I kind of spent some time in like modern materialistic science and, um, so he comes in and he's given this talk and he's just, you know, going into kind of all these things about how acupuncture works. And I'm just like, what is he talking about? Like hmm. the needles are keys that open energy channels in the body meridians. What? I was just like totally lost. I had no way to translate what he was saying into anything I knew. So at the end of the class, he's like, "Oh, does anyone want a demonstration?" And I was like, "Yes, me, 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 me." And I like did the whole like raise your hand and kind of like volunteer yourself thing. <laughs> so I didn't really believe. I wouldn't really like believe anyone else's experience. So I go up there, and he gets this silver rod, and I'm like, "What is he going to do with this rod?" And he like pokes an acupuncture point on my body, on my arm, and he's like, "Is this tender?" And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was, but <laughs> I was like, I don't understand the question. Yeah, it's just like so like disconnected from my body. Um, And then he takes a silver rod and he holds it in his hand. Uh, and he pushes down on it without touching me, without telling me what's going to happen. And I feel a cool breeze go into my hand. And I'm like, whoa, what did you just do? And he's like... Is it still tender? And I'm like, I still don't understand the question. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: And then he does it again, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, you've just blown my mind, sir. I can't, like, you know, it's all of the stuff that he said, which made no sense, like, to me, clearly had something to it. You know, so it was very interesting. And, you know, I was just mystified. I was like, well, now I want to know more. Like, clearly there's some kind of, like, other aspect to the human body that I don't understand at all. Not that I understood much about the human body at that time anyway. Um, but you know, there, there was more. So this was, it, it really piqued my interest. Um, so, you know, kind of like flash forward, uh, 10 years, I've like been to acupuncturists, got needled a bunch of times, stuff like that. So I kind of like knew what it could do, what it couldn't do. Um, and I started having other health problems. Um, and you know, at the time I, I had, Kind of read a lot on like diet and health. I'd switched my diet up, done a whole bunch of stuff and I was still having problems. I was like, you know, what are these, what are these problems? How can I like find and fix them? You know, I just wasn't kind of like getting the results with acupuncture that I wanted. So I ended up with kind of like a bit of a healing crisis where, you know, I, I was hospitalized at one point, um, either for a concussion or for like very, very basically like extreme thiamine deficiency. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I managed to recover from that, and then years later, you know, I just I had this chronic back pain that just like would not go away for years. I'm getting like massages. I'm just like trying to figure out what the story is with this thing. So I have a friend, and I'm like, you know, look, I've, I've got this back pain, and she's like, go see this guy. You know, everyone I send, you know, everyone who goes to see him finds some kind of relief. You know, he does some kooky stuff. You know, whatever. He's an applied kinesiologist. I'm like, all right, I don't know anything about that, but sure, whatever. He's like a chiropractor. Um, And so, you know, I go to him and basically, like, the first session I walk into, I'm like, well, you know, I got this back pain, I got these other things. Yeah, he's like, oh, you know, it could be undigested anger. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's, like, reading me like a book. <laughs> 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 I was like, yep, definitely got some of that. I was like, all right, what do you got? <laughs> and, like, from there, I proceeded to work for the, with him for, like, a year. And I was just, like, continually, like, blown away by the techniques he had. I mean, it was... It was getting to the root of, of root cause of problems, um, some of which I had identified, some of which I hadn't, uh, and finding fixes that were just not even on my radar. <clears throat> um, and so, you know, that's that's kind of how I got started with that. I had done, you know, a bunch of other research in, in diet and health uh, and just, you know, a lot of looking into a lot of different things. And, you know, I saw him and I was just like, you have something that you know i've never seen before and it was basically the way i think of it is you know because the diagnostics basically are kind of like on the energetic or quantum or information level of the body you can get information that's just like not exactly material but then it it bridges the gap to material fixes that then like you know correct the underlying problem Um, so going to see this
3: This chiropractor and applied kinesiologist kind of lit the fire under you and you went out and did a bunch of research?
1: Well, I hadn't researched yet, but it was, so most of it was just, you know, kind of like developing, developing it from experience. And then kind of like, as that went along, I was like, wow, this is really interesting.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, for some years I had been just kind of like doing experiments with a pendulum. I was like, oh, dowsing is kind of interesting. Like, what kind of results you get with this? And then he worked, so a little bit of background on this. A lot of, this is kind of like a lot of different branches of applied kinesiology and a lot of different techniques that are used. And he used what was called Cairo plus kinesiology, CPK. And what they did with this was they had, uh, he had this, this thing that, you know, he wore a belt. And on this belt was a device called a resonator. And this resonator was like a disc of some kind. And he, he rubbed it with his finger and like, it would make a quacking noise on a match. <laughs> and right. The joke is he was a quack or whatever, but yeah, <laughs> <the guy did laughs> brilliant results. Um, but so there was that. So he had like, and he told me at one point, you know, he's like, this is, you know, it's, it's basically kind of like dowsing. And I was like, really? That's interesting. And so he had, um, the other key was hand modes or finger modes, they might call them or mudras, um, And these served as basically, like, questions or, like, detectors for what was going on the body. So he had, like, a local hand mode where you just, like, kind of, like, put that on me and just kind of, like, run it over my body or whatever and be like, okay, like, something's going on here. And then he could, like, refine down and be like, okay, like, this, you know, do another hand mode and be like, okay, is it this? Is it this? Is it this? Oh, it's this. Okay. And then he'd know what to do. And, like, his results.
3: Fox, let's backtrack a little bit. Can you give us, like... A history of like what is applied kinesiology because a lot of people don't know and Elliot had a very good question for you.
4: Well, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. I guess the question is um, what is the difference between kinesiology and applied kinesiology?
1: That's great and the two questions I think really go together. Um, so I'll start with the difference. The difference is kinesiology is um, the study of the movement of the body and so you know, I think a physical therapist would fall kind of, like, into a kinesiology um, kind of, like, branch of study. Um, Whereas, so, you know, like, you're like, okay, like, you know, you need to work these muscles to kind of, like, balance out something else. You know, so it's it's focused on, like, the structure of the body. Um, applied kinesiology was developed by a chiropractor named Dr. George Goodhart. Uh, he was developed in, like, the 60s. I think it was 64 that he kind of, like, published his paper on, on what he was doing. And I think, like any kind of field of of science, um, you know, there were people beforehand developing kind of like ideas that then you know got synthesized by someone and you know kind of moved forward. Um, but what the difference is um, that applied kinesiology is the application of the study of movement, and with that, he came up with muscle testing, and that was his his kind of like grand analysis was that you know most of the problems of the structure of the body aren't actually caused by tight muscles, but they're caused by weak muscles that are causing other muscles to tighten. And so from this, he kind of like developed, you know, a a technique practice, like a practice to um, correct the weak muscles. And I think through that, he found, you know, that a whole lot of things would cause a muscle to be weak. And so, um, you know, applied kinesiology, kind of it's like foundational aspect is what they call the triad of health. Mm-hmm. And so that is structure, chemical, and mental slash emotional. Um, when all those things are in balance, basically, like a person is functioning properly,
3: <clears throat> and so, any
1: one thing can throw off the system.
3: What can cause a muscle to become weak?
1: Um, I mean, it could be uh, it could be a chemical deficiency. It could be uh, you know too much of a chemical. It could be a parasite, a pathogen. Um, Those are all kind of like in the chemical branch. Um, It could be, you know, there was one of the examples I I picked up in the video and the article I wrote um, was going through kind of like five major foods uh, and the the muscles they specifically caused to be weak. People would consume these foods and these muscles would routinely be weak. Mm -hmm. Um, Wheat was one of them, of course, blew out the psoas muscle. And blew out as in like, you know, the muscle is like no longer – functioning properly. and just causes chronic health problems because of that. Um, Whereabouts
4: is that muscle?
1: That's Mm. the one that goes kind of like um, it's in the abdomen and it's from like the hip to uh, like the lower rib cage. Mm -hmm.
5: And it holds all your organs. Yeah. Basically. Mm.
1: Yeah. Mm.
5: Sometimes known as the muscle of the soul. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So you know, they went through basically like, you know, so consuming a food that's problematic um, could blow out a muscle. Sugar, for example, blows out all the muscles. So you mean <laughs> blows out them. their
3: electrical activity?
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess I could say that. Okay. It, it, yeah, it, it, it causes them
0: to test weak where they should have tested strong. Okay. I, yeah, that's what I was wondering what you mean by blows out. You know, is, it, um, is there actually some kind of trauma there or is it just weak and the function is lowered?
1: Um, the function is lowered. So like, you know, there's kind of like an art and science to muscle testing, um, when done properly, it, produ- it produces consistent results. Um, but I think of it as like a clutch when I've kind of worked with it myself, you know, like there's that point when you're pushing a clutch where it catches. Um, so like a weak muscle doesn't have that point, you know, like you're testing something it tests strong. Like you've hit the point of the clutch and it's not going to go any further. Um, test weak and you just push right through and the person can't resist.
4: Mm-hmm. And so how exactly would you, um, would you test the muscle to, to see whether it was weak or, or strong?
1: Well, that's when the muscle testing comes in. Um, so to be able to properly muscle test, you have to calibrate a patient, um, which can involve, I've seen it done a few different ways. Um, the first is a person has to be hydrated. That's kind of like a critical aspect. But even that was interesting because I went to an applied kinesiologist at one point a uh, different one who I actually didn't like very much. Um, and he's like, are you dehydrated? I'm like, I am dehydrated, actually. <laughs> and he's like, okay, we can fix that. And he just put a vial of water on me, and that was that solved the problem. My body then tested like normally, basically.
3: So if you're properly hydrated, that means that the electrical signals in your body are stronger. And if you're dehydrated, that can give you a false negative muscle test?
1: Yes, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Yeah, and then um, so you know, so you have to establish that the patient is testable before you can run a muscle test. Um, dehydration is one factor, uh, but there can be other factors too. Um, and those, if they aren't testable, they have to be kind of like corrected before you can test them. Um, the way that you can determine if someone's testable is—it's um, is, really interesting to me. There's like an electrical polarity of the body, and so like routinely when, when I was seeing the guy I was seeing for a long time he would, to determine if I was testable, he would hold his hand on, you know, right above my forehead. And with the palm down, I would test weak. And with the palm up, so like the back of his hand was facing my forehead, I'd test strong. And so that, like, that indicated that I was testable. And that's kind of like a routine thing. I've done that with people, and it's just, like, so interesting and strange.
3: Hmm. In your research, have you ever come across someone that is under the influence of substances of any sort and how that would make them testable or not?
1: That's a great question. I have not actually come across that. Uh, I haven't run any of those such experiments. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not sure. The other, the other factor too to factor in is, um, so the way it works is um, usually people test, you know, arms. Uh, kind of like if anyone's ever seen a standard muscle test, someone's arm is extended. And you're trying to push down on it. Maybe they're laying down on a table. Maybe they're standing up. um, But that's kind of like the standard test. And the reason uh, that test is done that way is because it's convenient. You know, it's just a convenient muscle to work with. But what's actually happening is that muscle is serving as an indicator muscle for whatever's going on. Uh, And that's when you can introduce what they call therapy localization, or TL, they call it commonly. Um, And what that is is you can then kind of like access the circuitry of the body. And honestly, I don't know if it's electrical or like something like electrical, but it's some kind of like circuitry kind of thing. Uh, And you can like press on different points in the body. And then that muscle, even though it's not, you know, uh, linked to that point necessarily, is then kind of like serving as like the diagnostic point um, for whatever you're testing. So you you could press on someone's liver and push down on their arm. And even though you know, according to like the acupuncture meridian system um, that, well, depending on the muscle you're testing specifically in the arm, it's either like the stomach or the lungs. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with the liver, but it will indicate the status of the liver uh, through therapy localization. Hmm.
0: So, so so this yeah. is good for, for uh, everything pretty much. I mean, not just structural problems. I mean, I, I've had a chiropractor do kinesiology on me, you know, to test whether or not I had like a a subluxation in a certain point Mm -hmm. in my spine, things like that. Mm -hmm. But this is good for a whole host of other things too, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it works on the triad of health. So, you know, I think most practitioners are uh, chiropractors primarily, although not necessarily. Um, And they're probably the best type of practitioner because they can work on the structure of the body um but yeah i mean you can diagnose chemical things um that was really kind of like what i got into with the guy i was seeing uh you know i I think basically because i found the best fixes with chemical fixes um you know so like supplements for example like you know if you're having some kind of problem going on like you know a supplement can often correct the issue um and the effects can be pronounced in a number of cases um but it could also be emotional issues too you know it's 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 fascinating because the whole thing is also, like, modulated by the mind. So you could ask someone a question uh, or have them think of something, um, and then the muscle test will indicate kind of, like, the answer to that question. Even though you're not doing, like, therapy localization, you're not necessarily necessarily testing anything, like, directly on the person, um, you know, they are holding a thought, and then you can test how they react. Um, For example, um, one of the case studies I'll... case studies will go into, the things I kind of fixed, um, was this male meat allergy. And so I'm seeing him, you know, it, it was, it was a silly, it was silly how long I waited to ask this question because the guy solved it almost immediately, which was astonishing. But, um, you know, so I'm like, okay, like, you know, what's, what's going on with this thing? Like, can I do this? Can I do that? And he's like, you know, get some results. And he's like, okay.
3: So and you I, couldn't eat meat? I don't even meat? remember
1: how it came up, but I was like, yeah. Are you
3: saying you couldn't eat meat yeah. for how long?
1: Yeah. Like three years. <laughs> wow. Long time. So what kind <laughs> of reactions
3: did you have when you ate the meat?
1: <laughs> Hold on. Let me finish this up. <laughs> I'll get into that. Um, but so, you know, he's like, okay. And I'm like, all right, all right. So how long am I going to need these supplements? And he's like, and I don't remember how it came out, but it was like, you know, I'm kind of like frustrated with my job. He's like, all right, think about your job. And I was like, oh God, I test week. Um, and he's like, all right, so you'll need these for, you know, each one was two or three months, uh, depending on the one, um, or until you resolve how you feel about your job. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, so you want to you jump into the mammal meat one? That's yeah. kind of like the the kicker. That's the best one.
3: Because it's very sure. odd that someone can't eat meat.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was was like, um, sorry, was that, was that
4: all types of meat?
1: No. So it was mammal meat specifically. So what this allergy is, is, um, it is an actual allergy. It's an IgE antibody, uh, to alpha galactose and alpha galactose is weird because it's a sugar protein. Allergies are typically to proteins. This is a sugar protein in mammal meat only. It's not in poultry. It's not in fish. So I could eat those things. Um, And people generally react more to fatty meat and even like mammal fat itself than Mm. to, you know, the protein itself. Like people who have this allergy a lot can eat lean protein and be fine. Lean, you know, steak, pork or whatever. Well, probably not pork, but, you know, lean steak or something. They could eat that and be fine. Um, I couldn't really eat much of any any of it. And it was strange. Well, a couple other strange things about this allergy are that um, it's a delayed onset. So it happens between like any kind of like symptoms experienced by a person are typically like three to eight hours later, which is just completely abnormal for an allergy. Um, And the symptoms are not always kind of like classic allergy symptoms. Um, You know, I think I got this thing probably probably close to a decade ago um, Mm. because it's supposed to be from a tick bite. Uh, Although there's kind of like some weirdness about that. Um, and it seems the thing they've only established is that tick bites make it worse. Um, but, and you know, there's no, I have no idea of what kind of mechanism it would be to have, uh, where a tick bite causes an allergy. I have absolutely no idea, um, for m- meat. <laughs> it basically makes no sense as far as I could tell, but that's, that's the story. And, you know, I did have like a blood test, like, you know, Ig antibodies to alpha galactose. Um, and I would just have, like, terrible digestive upset. It would basically be, like, I'd eat, and I'd be, like, okay, except I kind of felt like, you know, oh, I'm probably not going to be able to digest this. Um, and I was stubborn about it, so I kept eating the meat for years and trying, like, different supplements to digest it. None of it was working. Um, and I'd get, like, a rapid heart rate. Like, it would be basically three, three probably for me, like, three or four hours later, uh, which was frustrating because usually when I was trying to go to bed, like, my heart would just, like, spike like you know tachycardia level and i'd be like oh god i feel terrible nauseous i have to lay down in bed a certain way because like you know if i turn the other way i think i'm gonna throw up (laughs) it's just a really bad time um and i think i think uh as much as i hated to admit it i think the doctors when i went to the hospital for um you know kind of like the severe health problems i had at the time are right and it was a thiamine deficiency Um, but it was also causing me like severe inflammation and, you know, I just probably wasn't absorbing most of the nutrients I was eating. Um, yeah. So it was overall a pretty miserable time. Um, and so, but even like with hives, like, you know, any kind of standard allergy, you know, has like a histamine reaction. Uh, so you would expect kind of like itching running nose hives maybe I would get hives only if I hadn't eat mammal meat for a while. Um, so like the first time I ate mammal meat, so I had been vegan, silly enough, for uh, four years or so. Um, I got hives and I was like, what is this? Like, I just don't even know what this is. Uh, maybe it's because I haven't eaten beef in seven years or something, a long time. Um, so I didn't think anything of it. You know, and then kind of like as time went on, the problems just like kept going, kept getting worse. Um, and Sod, you know, I was posting articles about this allergy. And I was like, come on, this isn't a real allergy. No one has that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying it. And then eventually I was like, all right, you know what? Maybe I actually have this allergy. <laughs> is this possibly the worst thing ever? It could be the worst thing ever. Um, so, you know, eventually, yeah, I went to the allergist, got the results. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I actually have this allergy. I can't even believe it's real. Not only is it real, but I have it. And so what do I do? <laughs> allergist was like, well, may, you know, maybe if you don't eat male meat for seven years or something, like, you <laughs> know, that, that could work. And I was like, this is the best option <laughs> standard have.
3: that's a well, long time know. to go without steak yeah <laughs> yeah
1: that's, <laughs> that's what i was jobs. thinking i was like come on someone's gotta have something better than that you gotta be kidding me
3: so this guy that you went to who addressed your meat allergy did he use the traditional like if you uh the listeners look at the slideshow we have on the description box like with the lady with her arm up in the air and someone's pressing down on it did he use that method or did he use that cpk quack machine or what did he do
1: (laughs) the resonator (laughs) yes the quacker (laughs) um so what i did you know finally i'm like talking about this mammal meat allergy i'm like oh god guys i can't eat i can't eat bacon or steak this is terrible man and i'm seeing this guy for like a year and finally after a year or so i'm like oh wait why don't i ask the guy huh so (laughs) I go to him and I'm like, all right, you know, I need a solid test. So I need the items basically to run a proper test. In this case, I needed the items that I couldn't eat. So I was like, all right, here is meat, you know, ground beef. Here's ground pork. Here's lard. Here's butter. And here's ghee. I can't eat any of these. What do you got? So he takes the bag that I brought, you know, my plastic bag of random food, just drops it on me. And he's like, all right, put out your arm. So he does a standard muscle test on that. I test weak. He's like, oh, not good. can't eat these, huh? And I'm like, okay, what do you got to fix it? And he's like, hmm, okay, yeah, all right. So he goes and wanders around and gets some supplements. Um, and I think he's using the resonator for this at this point. And he ends up selecting two supplements within 15 minutes. This is a, I had considered this at this point an unsolvable problem. Or like a you know, pr- problem was like so exotic, I was like, maybe there's some kind of like magic you know homeopathic remedy or something to like change the immune system like i don't even know how to approach this problem um within 15 minutes or so he's like okay you need two supplements um one is uh, one was thorn biogest which is um it's like a high quality you know kind of standard digestive supplement so it basically it was like hcl um hydrochloric acid um Uh, it was glutamic acid. I don't know what that was. Um, ox bile, pancreatin, nothing really special about it, but high quality. Um, and then he came up with this really kooky supplement, which was by this company called standard process. And what they do is, um, they have like, they are an organic farm. So they actually like produce most of the stuff they put in their supplements, um, have like a, you know, their own kind of extraction process out in, like, northern Wisconsin or something. You know, it's the middle of nowhere. Um, And then they make these, like, really, like, strange food-based supplements um, that do things that are totally unclear. (laughs) Because the thing is called A to F beta food. And I'm like, well, okay, so what does that do? (laughs) Like, you know, I can, like, read the ingredients and and kind of have an idea. But, you know, there's no clear indication from the bottle or necessarily even the literature of what it does. Uh, Apparently, it thins bile. And has a variety of strange ingredients. I'll, I'll say to the readers, if they want to look up the ingredients, you'll find an interesting one. Um, but anyway, so he's like, okay, you need these two things. And I was like, seriously? Yeah, I, I haven't been able to successfully digest male meat for like four years. And this was all I had to do was go to this guy said so, to bring him the things I couldn't eat. And then 15 minutes later, he's like, all right, you need these two things. You need one to digest the fat. You need the other to digest the protein. You need one for two months. You need the other for three months. And that's it. And then you don't need it anymore. And I haven't mm. made it since. Mm. It was it cured the problem.
6: And did you just have to take those so, when you ate the mammal meat, or were you taking it kind of regularly anyway?
1: Yeah, just when I was eating it. So I took, like, two of each beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um And that was it. Problem solved. And I was like, you know, I don't think, I can't think of any other healer I've seen or encountered or was even like thinking up who could have solved that problem this fast at all. Solved it at all, let alone that fast and that cheap. You know, it was a half session. Um, The whole thing with the supplements cost me like a 100 bucks. I'm like, you know how much I would have paid for this. You're gonna charge me 500 bucks. I'd be like, that is cheap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's amazing. So what, uh, I guess I'm curious, how uh, via kinesiology, how do you track down the uh, the solution? You know, uh, can we get some insight onto how he came up with what what supplements were needed? I mean, is it something where do you have to test? multiple supplements and say, okay, this one works, this one doesn't, or does it actually point you in the right direction?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think, so, I think something happens to a person when they do muscle testing, do this kind of work often enough. Um, I think it's like developing kind of like a gut sense. Um, you know, you can like see something and like you get a feeling in your gut and you're like, okay, like that's good or that's bad. Uh, and I think he had been doing this for long enough that, he, like, he had, like, this sense had become refined in him. And so I think he, like, had an idea of what might work. Um, he didn't test, like, you know, kind of, like, even which organs it was affecting. He just, like, went and picked out a couple, did some tests to see if they matched, and then he found, you know, the two that matched. Um, so, yeah, so, like, there was some, like, educated guesswork in, like, determining what the solution might be. Um sure. Once you've got, like, the item then you can run the test and the, right the test of. is conclusive.
0: So there is testing of the actual solution. It's not like the the kinesiology kind of tells you what to use. Right. I guess. And that yeah. is,
1: yeah. And in terms of like, you know, in the article I wrote, I go into kind of other medical systems um, and even, you know, back earlier in the show to kind of like talk about their limitations. And that is one of the limitations of applied kinesiology. Like you are getting... Uh, more or less binary answers, so it's true or false, yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like you know, there isn't like the thing, the thing I would like to see from like a medical system would yeah be like put these things on the body, and the body then is like you know, hey, I can't digest these; this is a liver problem, mm-hmm. and you know, like these supplements will fix it or whatever. These mm-hmm. things, something right. that informs the practitioner to go then and kind of like find the exact solution. Um, so yeah, so it was dealing with the binary answers, there's some, there's still some guesswork, but you know, once you have with good guesswork and kind of like, you know, maybe his intuition at that point, I, I honestly don't know. Um, you know, then you can kind of like figure out what to test.
6: So from there, like when, once he had kind of, um, tested a few supplements and kind of found some ones that were, were the right ones, how did he know that that was the full picture? That there wasn't something else that you needed to be doing, like maybe another supplement or maybe, you know, some kind of lifestyle change or something along those lines.
1: Oh, that is, that's one of the strengths of applied kinesiology. You just put them on me. You put them on me with the, you know, all the food. So I've got the food now on me, this bag of cold food (laughs) (laughs) and the supplements laying on top of me, does another muscle test. And he's like, Oh, you test strong. These will work. Okay. So, so if you you test strong
6: with those, with those supplements, that means that's, that's the full picture. Like you don't have to ask again, like, is there anything else that,
1: that needs to be done? Well, so that's – the exact picture is that it corrects the imbalance or it corrects the weakness. Um, so there could be other things, like, going on. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I had done, like, a bunch of liver supplements. So I had taken another, like – it gave me this kooky uh, – was the Premier Research Labs, I think was the brand. Um, fermented milk thistle and turmeric tincture. It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I'd, like, done a bunch of stuff to, like, fix my liver. So I, I was kind of thinking that wasn't the problem. Um, but so there could be things that aren't, like, necessarily comprehensively covered. Mm. It, I can't guarantee you that it's the full picture. Um, but in terms of, like, how things I think of it, at least, like, as peeling back kind of, like, the layers of the onion, you know, like, mm. get one layer, get another layer. At the very least, like, you know, that would be a functional solution, Um so the, that testing can pr- provide a functional solution.
5: I'm curious, Fox, if people have doubts or they don't believe in the system, would that affect the way that the muscle is tested? Or, or does it kind of override the whole belief system? You know, like where people are resistant to go to an acupuncturist, like you were saying in your experience. Or...
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it can. So like there are things there are things that a person can actively do um to kind of like prevent muscle testing from being correct. I've even been a patient in that situation because I saw a chiropractor who did muscle testing, wasn't a kinesiologist. And he was just like kind of like telling me things that I already knew and he was really irritating me. <laughs> yeah. Um and I was like, Forget your muscle testing. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna be cooperative. Um and so yeah, you know, it's possible to make it not work. You gotta be working on it. Um but, you know, I think if a person's kind of, like, open to that and is not, like... Basically, at that point, what you have to be doing is putting other muscles to work to get the muscle that's testing weak to test strong or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's possible. And, I've, you know, a qualified practitioner um, has probably dealt with things like that. So, you know, they should be equipped to kind of, like, handle that situation, either by, like, kind of, like, removing themselves from the situation for a bit, letting the patient kind of, like, calm down, um, or, you know... just doing something else that I'm not aware of.
3: Well, Fox, I have two questions. The first one is, so you went to this guy, you walked out with the supplements in hand. Did you have to stop yourself from just pouring the lard down your throat? <laughs> and the meat while you're still in the parking lot. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> just shoving raw meat well. into your face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't quite go that far. He recommended, you know, kind of like being on the safe side, and um, you know, kind of like starting slow. So I cooked up some of it, and you know, I ate like a little bit. I was trying it out and want to have a bad reaction. I knew the reaction wouldn't kill me, and some people with that allergy, you know, have like anaphylactic rea- reactions, so it can get pretty bad. But mine hadn't been any of that bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I was—I don't think I even knew knew how to feel at that point. I just felt like. A combination of like excited and stupid, but <laughs> I hadn't asked sooner
3: well, the second part is um I went to a naturopath years ago, and she did something like that using a different method, not like having me hold my arm out. she would mm. give me little containers of like gluten or some kind of dairy product, and I tested weak, but she didn't do the muscle the arm out thing she did something with her fingers. Can you tell us about, like, different ways of doing muscle testing besides the arm thing?
1: Yeah. So that's also an interesting thing. I've been seeing another practitioner lately I like. Um, and he uses this, this technique called brim hall technique. And it's another kooky technique where he, like, puts his fingers on his head and, like, moves them down towards his neck. And, like, where they fall on, like, his head or whatever, his neck, Um determines whether it's a yes or no uh and so what? like you know he could <laughs> <laughs> he's putting it on his own head <laughs> <laughs> it works on his head or the practic- or the patient's head works on both <laughs> so he just
6: sticks his fingers on his head and wherever they fall determines whether it's a yes or no answer
1: well no he like puts them on top of at the same place and then he moves them down and like where they stop falling down huh. does that make sense I guess. so behind
5: the ear is a yes <laughs> Yeah, or at the temple is a no something
1: like that not at the temple it doesn't go forward it's only backwards Okay. So he like moves him backwards and you know like where are they kind of like how far down the neck his thumb goes basically is is the answer to the question um, and I haven't had, like, had the time to kind of like ask him specifically like why he uses that um, or you know uh, how it works or whatever but I think the principle is the same in that like you know a person can basically serve as a proxy in muscle testing and this is kind of like where we get into accessing like the information field of the body their quantum field or whatever um, where you know you can you can do your own muscle testing on yourself you could do self muscle testing um, and you can get answers for another person this is like modulating the mind to tap into the field to tap tap into someone else's field and get answers from it. Mm. Um, So basically, Tiff, the method that it sounds like this practitioner was using Mm -hmm. uh, was something similar to that, a self-muscle testing thing. Mm -hmm. If she was using her fingers, then she might have been doing, like, the rubbing technique. Yeah, she was rubbing um, her fingers together. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, people will rub their fingers together um, and be thinking of a question or, you know, have a test of some kind. um, And whether it's sticky or smooth is kind of like the standard response. Um, for a yes or no uh, answer. So
3: <laughs> a sticky yes, or a sticky no.
1: <laughs> I think sticky's no, <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure. And even then, like, so I saw I was seeing a Reiki practitioner, another kind of kooky person, um, when I was getting a tune in Reiki, and she was like, "Oh, you know, you can do self-muscle testing." I was like, "Really? How do you do it?" And she's like, "All right, just stand straight." You know, relax and, like, you know, just say, show me what yes looks like. Uh, so that's, like, the swaying technique, they, they call it. Um, and I swayed forward. And she's, like, all right, now say, show me what no looks like. And I swayed backwards. And she was, like, okay, so, like, there you've got, you know, kind of, like, a muscle technique, muscle testing technique you can use to get answers from the body. Um, and she was, like, oh, but, you know, like, so it's it can be individual, like, the, the person's response. And this could be, like, a polarity thing. Uh, which is something I don't understand, um, but uh, she was like, "Oh yeah, some people for no, like you know, go in a circle or something." <laughs> um, so sticky and smooth. I think the the standard one is that smooth is yes and sticky's no, mm-hmm. um, but people might have individual responses to it.
4: So so, Fox, um, I'm curious to know whether you know of any specific ways um, as to how to control for things like personal bias in this. Or how the practitioners may um you know um deal with that when dealing with their patients yeah
1: i mean that's a good question right because like i think probably the challenge in people seeing applied kinesiology is kind of like a legitimate science um because you know there is an art aspect to it like getting you know getting to the point where one is unbiased enough to get consistent results um you know, I, I think it's probably a, a kind of like mindset kind of thing, you know, just kind of like being open, not anticipating the answers and, you know, just kind of like seeing what comes out. Um, a person can have their own biases too. Um, that might be challenging to work with. Uh, you know, I think a, a good practitioner is kind of like paying close attention to see, you know, whether a person might be biased, uh, in a response. Um, but you know, it's, Part of it is to, you know, if if the setup is like done properly and kind of like the strength of applied kinesiology, in my opinion, um, is that the central nervous system doesn't lie. You know, I've I've done this, you know, I was seeing, uh, I saw a friend of mine the other day um, and, you know, I was telling him all this stuff about applied kinesiology and, you know, I was like, oh yeah, like here's what it healed and what it did. It's really neat. Here's how I think it works. And, you know, he, he's, he's actually in a conventional medical field doing research. Uh, but, you know, he's into it. He's like, wow, that's really interesting. I was like, yeah, he's like, yeah. like, I'd be interested in doing muscle testing sometime. I was like, oh, yeah, well, I could test if you want. He's like, oh, okay. And, you know, at that point, I'm kind of like ecstatic <laughs> to be able to show someone stuff like this and take it from like the theoretical because it's one thing to hear someone's story and it's another thing to experience it for yourself. Um, I was like, all right, you know, we could like, I can diagnose pathogens, you know, I know those hand modes and we could figure that out. Um, and then we could just test you for food. So, you know, by, by the end of the evening, I'd like brought out like half his kitchen to test, <laughs> mm-hmm. dropped all this stuff on him. I was like, oh, you know, this is goldfish. You got the big box of goldfish. Clearly like you like the goldfish a lot. <laughs> Otherwise you would have gotten the small box. <laughs> we got the big box, put it on him. I was like, well, let's see what your body says. I was like, oh, nope. no. <laughs> <laughs> totally shut down. Um, and, you know, even then, I'm, I'm I'm still trying to, like, keep an open mind during the press. I was like, well, you know, maybe his body really works well with goldfish. Can't imagine how, <laughs> but, you know, I guess it's possible. Um, and then, you know, we even got interesting results with that. You know, he had, like, this jar of, like, really terrible, poor-quality peanut butter <laughs> from, like, the That's... local store. And I was like, oh, no way. Come on. This is test bad. He tested strong to it. I was like, well, huh. I mm. would recommend not eating the, the really crappy peanut butter, but... Apparently your body thinks it's okay, so (laughs) (laughs) that's what you got.
5: (laughs) What was his response to it? Was he open to it or, I mean, being trained
1: as a a Western doctor? Well, he's not a Western doctor. He's Uh, just a researcher. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was was open to the ideas. It was like, he was, you know, we're just kind of like gathering data right now. Let's just kind of see what happens. You know, it's an experiment.
3: So you talked about hand modes. Can you go more into what a hand mode is?
1: Yeah. So that's another really interesting thing. Um, so the doctor I was seeing who worked with them, um, he, they were like, they served as the questions or as, um, I think perhaps a better way of saying it would be, it tunes the body to like detecting those frequencies of whatever. Um, and so, um, there were, uh, well, okay. So a a little bit of background story. Um, so, Dr. Alan Beardall, he was the one who came up with the biocomputer model um, for the, the working of the body. Uh, and he developed, I think, about 200 hand modes. And developed, by developed, I'm not sure if he discovered them and these are, like, inherent kind of things in the body. Or if he, like, created them and, like, put it out into the morphic field or something. And, like, you know, <laughs> that was, like, how it worked. Or you know, I really don't know. I was talking to the guy I was seeing, and he uh, was—he said, um, you know, that there were two schools of thought. There was the school of thought that there were, you know, certain hand modes, and they were like the correct ones or whatever. They resonated at certain frequencies in the body and would detect certain things. Um, And the other school of thought was where you could use any hand mode. Um, And he, his thought and thinking was, you know, both seem to get, you know, accurate results. So you know, there's, there's something like m- with like modulating the mind that works with the hand modes. Um, but anyway, so like, you know, I use, I've, he taught me a couple, well, more than a couple. He taught me a small handful of, um, the hand modes. And, you know, I think in my opinion, they like help focus the mind to like, you know, in, into detecting whatever. Um, but they can detect all kinds of things. I mean, uh, basically like the, it broke down to like the thumb was like the selector, I suppose you could say. Um, so the thumb didn't like have a, any kind of like thing. It just like, that was how one, a person directed their intention to serve as a detector for something. Um, and then the, the pointer finger was structure. So like that was detecting structural issues. Um, the middle finger was chemical. So that was detecting chemical issues. Um, I think the third, the ring finger was, uh, I'm not sure if that one's emotional or maybe electrical. Um, And then I think there was an, I don't recall what the last one was. Um, But yeah, so, you know, they just had hand modes for everything. You know, the article I wrote had just two of them um, mold and virus, uh, but I also know bacteria, um, similar to both of those. I mean, he had an EMF detecting mode, you know. So at one point, he's like, "Oh yeah, you could just detect EMF with this." And I'm like, "Really?" And so he like, you know, he's, he does the hand mode, and he's like wandering around his office with a resonator and just like quacking it. He gets close to the light and he's <laughs> quacking more. And I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> the guys, turned himself into an EMF detector. <laughs> <It's> amazing. <laughs> I've seen so some they- my own experiments with that, and it's kind of fascinating too. You got like the pendulum out, and you got the EMF hand mode, and you're like, "Oh, you know what's just going on around here?"
3: So they really configure their fingers in a certain way, like maybe the pointer finger touching the thumb or the ring finger touching the thumb. And they use that uh, CPK machine and ask a question or walk around a room and then it gives them an answer about you.
1: Is yeah, basically so it, how it it's works. More or less. Yeah. So there's not even necessarily so the, the hand mode itself is more the question. You don't have mm-hmm. to like ask a question at that point. Okay. Once you, like, put your hand in that configuration, then that's the question. Oh. You know, so you put um, your thumb, basically, the tip of your middle finger to, like, the pad of your thumb, and now you're a mold detector. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so you're like, okay, like, you got any mold around here? This is mold in the air. Um, and, and the resonator is, uh, just to clarify, it's not like, I don't, there's not, like, any electrical function in it. it I think it's mm-hmm. just a, some kind of disk of something. And then, you know, however it works, like it's, you know, modulated by the practitioner's body or whatever. Can so it you doesn't do like, it's the, not like an electrical machine.
3: Can you do the hand molds without the CPK?
1: I mean, yeah, I, I, it's like, you just need anything that serves uh, as a, you know, a resonator or anything that matches. Um, so you could use, I use a, a pendulum at times, um, you know, so I'll, I'll do EMF stuff and get out the pendulum. Uh, you know, put on the uh, hand mode on my left hand and then just walk around with a pendulum and just kind of see what it does. Um, oh.
5: The pendulum is the reading instrument, so I, that was going to be my next question. So are you walking around with your hand mode and does your body start to vibrate or... <laughs> <laughs>
1: so
5: are you, you getting signals? <laughs> yeah. The head starts to nod yes or no. <laughs> I mean...
1: <laughs> I guess you could... Um, I don't know. I mean I so I think you can actually do that even with muscle testing. Like you could do like finger muscle testing, for example, like you know, make the EMF or the um the like mold hand mode and do like a muscle test on yourself and get an answer. Um I think it's probably easier with some kind of device, whether it's a pendulum or like the CPK resonate or you know, whatever, something else, um to kind of like provide a clearer indication. Um and possibly I mean, now we're getting into kind of like the nuances of like the circuitry of the body and the whole system. Um, and so these are like specifics I don't know. But, you know, a, a pendulum works, you know, that's, I've used that. Um, I've kind of like gotten a lot of results from that. Uh, sometimes I'll like do it through the computer and be like, oh, you know, this person I'm talking to, like, they got a new mold? <laughs> Just curious. Yeah. Um, I you know. Is a lot of it's just like experimentation. I don't necessarily know what I'm doing, but um, you know, I I collect the data and then I wait and figure out if at some point, like you know, like oh, like this has been confirmed or makes sense now or something.
3: Guys, we have a caller, so we can go ahead and take the call. Caller, hello. What's your name?
7: Hi, I'm Mikey. Hi, Mikey. Just, Hi, Mikey. Hi, Hi, Mikey. Mike. <laughs> I just happened to be here, here in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're a <laughs> no, no more cover. It? It? I <laughs> <laughs> my mouth. Did the pendulum
5: tell you to call in?
2: <laughs>
7: <laughs> no, I just want to say I'm, I'm very thankful for this show because um, I just want to give a little testimony because I've been in uh, kinesi- kinesiology uh, sessions for about two years. And I just mm-hmm. want to say that everything that you have said um, uh, is my, my same experience and it's true. And I had very mm-hmm. good experiences with, with kinesiology. And my story is that um, back then I didn't really know much about alternative uh, medicine or treatments and I had my uh, um, old feelings removed, drilled out by the, by the dentist, you know, the mercury mm-hmm. feelings. I uh, told a friend about it and my friend said, oh, you have to go detox and I know this uh, therapist, he can help you, you know, with detoxing. So I said, okay, not a bad, bad, bad idea. So I went to her and uh, it turns out she was the the wife of our family doctor and um, she did this, she was a, train, uh, a professional in, in kinesiology and I went there a little bit skeptical because uh, like you folks you mentioned you're a, a physicist I think you said uh, well mm. I'm <laughs> I graduated from university back then you know like um, mechanical electrical engineering so I didn't really believe any of you know, alternative things, but I was open enough to try it out and uh, the first thing she she did I just lay laid down on this on this bed and we did the classical muscle test you know where you stretch your arm your arm up and mm-hmm. what she did is she had her left hand on on a kind of the diagram of the human body and with with her other hand she tested my my stretched up arm and was basically asking yes and no questions. Where does this, you know, the the drilled out debris from the amalgam from the from the mercury cause a problem, or where where is it at the moment? Mm-hmm. And I got weak when she had her hand on the on the colon, you know, right the colon right below the stomach. Uh, oh what wow! Was I- what was interesting to me is that, um, well, I was back then I did <laughs> a little bit of bodybuilding and quite a strong guy, you know, with at least my arm. And mm-hmm. I really wanted to keep it strong, but the arm got weak Mm. you know Mm -hmm. and um that's was very convincing and there was not much talking going on you know it's not like the the therapist um tries to convince you of something beforehand it just worked you know like my body was was just responding by by her hand being on the diagram of of the body so that was fascinating so i came to trust this method and then i came back and you know i did like chlorella and uh, garlic you know to, to detox the the, the poisons mm-hmm. and then I kept coming back for you know a couple of sessions and at some point we asked again my body what is needed to detox more and uh, basically nothing no question would work basically like uh, do we need more chlorella uh, do we need you know other, other helpers and nothing would would confirm but the same time there was a confirmation that I still had toxicity. Mm. So mm. then suddenly the, the line of questioning got towards um, emotional things and um, mm-hmm. she also worked professionally in, in like, like emotional and, and psychic uh, area uh, and mm. then it turned out that I had a belief system that said I don't deserve to be completely healthy. Mm. <laughs> wow! So and 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 as soon as, as she asked that, do you believe you don't deserve to be completely healthy? Suddenly my arm got strong. So we knew oh, that, wow. that that this was a problem that you know I had to be worked on. And I was surprised because you know who who does not believe that he deserves to be completely <laughs> healthy. You know? so, uh, and then uh, our sessions got more and more into emotional stuff. And, uh, also family stuff because she, my, 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 therapist was, uh, working with, uh, it's called, uh psychokinesiology. That's I think an, another variant of kinese- mm. kinesiology. It's not just, you know, uh, nourishment and chemicals and stuff like that. Right. Uh, family issues. And yeah, as I said, there was not much, con- uh, talking going on. It was just basically yes, no questions. And it helped me a lot. So that's, that's my testimony. Um, and there's one thing, um, you know, people actually know uh, quite a bit about muscle testing. And um, with friends, we tried a few times to, to test, um, you know, just between each other for, you know, how many drops. Yeah. No, how many drops of, you know, some kind of supplement do we need, like iodine and stuff like that. But oh, Okay. But uh, what, what I noticed is that the muscle test didn't work that well. Because mm-hmm. with, with my therapist, uh, just after one or two sessions, it was very tuned, you know, it was very smooth. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I, I knew there was a very clear yes and no signal. Basically, I was very mm-hmm. strong and and therapist couldn't actually bend my arm. Uh, and the weak signal was very weak, so that the arm went down. And that I didn't notice with, with other people. So uh, that's maybe my question. Can people that don't have visited... Um, you know, professional training in this area still do some testing between each other or what's, what's the deal about that?
1: I think that's possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's a skill to develop. Um, so like, you know, I've worked on a number of people just not as a practitioner, just kind of like experimenting. Um, and I think there's definitely a skill aspect to it. And there might even be kind of like, um, you know, like a strength differential kind of thing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm generally like a stronger kind of person. And so, you know, some people I have trouble getting good results from, um, and I'm not skilled enough to understand why. Um, so, you know, I, I do like the basics, you know, uh, or whatever, like, you know, okay, are you hydrated? Um, you know, uh, but once you get beyond that, um, there's three states actually that a muscle can be in, uh, according to apply kinesiology. A uh, muscle can be normotonic, uh, which is normal. It's testable. It operates like a normal muscle does, should. Uh, it can be hypotonic, which is you know just kind of tests weak all the time. Uh, and then it can be hypertonic, which means it tests strong all the time. And both hypertonic and hypotonic aren't testable. Um, so in those cases, uh, you either have to like, correct the muscle to be normotonic to be able to test it, um, or you have to use a different indicator muscle. Uh, and there are even, you know, kind of like weird issues with that. Um, cause I was seeing, you know, the polykinesiologist, uh, uh, that I've been seeing recently, uh, just for a couple of sessions and he was trying to do a muscle test and I kept testing strong and I felt like I was testing strong. You know, I wasn't like, I didn't feel like I was going too, you know, too hard or trying to resist his test. Um, and then he, he's like, okay, turn in a different direction. I'm like, all right. So he pushes down and it's still strong. He's like, okay, turn another direction. And then I finally test normal. And I'm like, what? He's like, there's some kind of polarity issue going on. I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) I don't even understand. Um, So, you know, that's like a fascinating area of applied kinesiology that I find because, you know, you get all these results and they don't necessarily make sense. Um, I don't understand the polarity at all. I mean, heavy metals, I would think standard kind of place they'd end up would be the liver. Um, For you, it was the colon, I guess. And like, you know, like it wouldn't necessarily be immediately obvious that that was the case. So muscle testing brings that out. Um, The other thing that I think is really useful in muscle testing is making it kind of real for the person, right? Because like that was a thing you saw for yourself. You know, you're like, I was trying to stay strong. You know, I wasn't, there was, you know, kind of like no bias on my part. You weren't doing some weird voodoo or whatever, like that I have to believe in. You know, this was my body reacting uh this way and you know like I'm, I'm just shocked that it did this um so yeah so to answer your question as best i know you know i, I think it's it's definitely a skill um because you know there is a bit of an art aspect to it as you know I, again like comparing it to the clutch analogy it's like learning to drive a manual car um you know you got to figure out where the clutch stops where that like point is where it's you know right between when it's engaged and not engaged um and then, you know, kind of, like, feeling that out, maybe even with the person, you know, establishing a dialogue with the person's body. Um, you know, I think there's a process to that.
7: And trust, I guess.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, well, that's that's a great testimonial. You know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it helped you. Um, and it's, like, the going into, the, like, the emotional aspects, too, I mean, that's fascinating. Because you've got, like, the mind kind of, like, modulating the questions to, so like, figure out. You know what's going on you're not testing a sub the substance of some kind you know it's it's what's going on in the person's mind and how does their body respond to it you know it's just do, it's just fascinating
7: do you know uh, of all the pr- practitioners that are out there how many uh only work with body and uh how many are willing or able to go into emotional stuff
1: um well the practitioner i was working with for a long time he said um I asked him kind of like what the most satisfying thing of, of what he did was. And it was like, he, he felt like it was seeing emotional breakthroughs. So I think he like did that kind of stuff. Um, you know, like dealt with like the emotional aspect more of the triad of health. Um, but that's something I haven't had much experience in. And I'm not sure like, you know, kind of like how many practitioners like specialize in that versus everything else. I mean, anyone doing applied kinesiology is is probably working with the triad of health. So that like, you know, the emotional component comes into it at some point. Um, and maybe that's kind of like the layers of the onion or whatever, like, um, you know, where they get to in the process with a, with uh, helping a patient achieve health, um, you know, whether they got to like move into that area or something else.
7: Yeah, I guess the, also the responsibility increases when you start working on, on, on uh, psychic and emotional issues. So, yeah, I think yeah, it's important to, to go to trained to train therapists mm-hmm. for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, like, the big thing. I mean, you know, a person can self-muscle test um, and get results, and, you know, maybe they can get good to the point where they get good results. But still, like, you know, a practitioner is going to have a broader field of knowledge and experience, um, and they, you know, will be able to find things. I mean, you know, I, I think I was even self-muscle testing at that point. You know, when, when I had the mammalian allergy, I never would have found the supplements. Never. <laughs> I wouldn't have had them on hand. I wouldn't have where to look. Um, you know, so having like that kind of experience, uh, you know, can give a lot more insight than a person can just on their own. Um, self-muscle testing, I, I find most useful to be kind of like day-to-day things. Um, you know, like, okay, like, is this thing that I'm thinking of eating good for me? Is it bad for me? am I having a reaction to something and I'm trying to figure out what it is, you know, okay, let me go through what I, what I had, let me do some self muscle testing with that. Um, and see kind of like, you know, the results I get. And the other thing that, that, um, your story makes me think of too, is, um, you know, kind of like I have like two aims in bringing this up. One, one of course being to, um, you know, help people get healthy, be functional, functional individuals. Um, yeah, you know, that's, that's something I'm passionate about. I want to see more of. Um, but the second aim is to, you know, have people kind of like network about the experiences they're having with this, because what I want to see is, you know, uh, a better, better exchange or a more comprehensive map of, you know, kind of like all of like the diet and health research, the supplement research, you know, herb research, all of kind of like, you know, things in the, the chemical triad of health um that people are doing or even the structural um and you know kind of like get a more comprehensive map of the human body that way by like you know bringing all our knowledge together um knowledge and experience together from these results and kind of like seeing you know how well like our theoretical map derived from science maps onto kind of like the results they're getting from the body we so
3: have a I think question really fascinating a question from one of our chatters who said she had an experience with muscle testing and she tested weak for magnets. You have any theory on why she would test weak for a magnet?
1: That's a great question. Um, I mean, obviously, it's it that's that would suggest, presuming the practitioner is uh, you know competent and capable, um, that you know there's an incompatibility. But why um, the I'll backtrack slightly. Why in diagnosing and correcting problems is I, I think of it as an expensive answer. You know, like uh, I fixed a lot of computer stuff and sometimes people are like, well, why wasn't it working? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> 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 like the computer had a gremlin in it and I have no idea. <laughs> I made it work. That's what I do. You want to know why that's kind of the realm of someone else. <laughs> um, but the first thing I would think of would be this kind of like weird polarity thing they've talked about, Um, which is, uh, there was one of the supplements I was taking, I think it was, um, premier research labs. Um, and they kind of look like cheapo weird supplements. They got a a really bad looking label. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but one of the things it says on it is, you know, tested for all tested well for all four biopolarities. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? (laughs) So, you know, and then doing the muscle testing with the guy I've been seeing lately, um, and he was like, you got a polarity issue. Yeah, you know, I have no idea what this means. I assume it's something to do with like the electrical or like information system of the body. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't know enough to get into any more detail than that. Mm.
0: That's what's a... really fascinating. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. Go ahead. oh, I was just going to say that's what's really fascinating to me is the, uh, cause if I play devil's advocate for a second, it makes sense. Like from a structural standpoint that if I put pressure on on the body physically that a muscle would respond in a positive or negative way because of the way Mm -hmm. that, you know, the physical uh, interconnectedness within the body. Um, But the idea that you can just like your story about the meat, you know, you just put a bag of meat on you and you, you respond to it. There's obviously some sort of connection with the information field around the body, a non-physical connection. Not only that, but Mikey's story about the the therapist using a, a diagram of the body and, and, not even using any of the substances themselves. Um, that's, just, that's really fascinating to me. It seems like there's a really complex, um, area there that, uh, that we don't fully understand.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's, it blew my mind a number of times, um, you know, because like, uh, just like seeing the process, you know, it's, it's just so fascinating. Like, you know, he would, Routinely, I'd bring, you know, I'd get a supplement from the applied kinesiologist or I'd bring one myself and he just put it on me, the whole jar. And, you know, like kind of from like the mechanical scientific viewpoint, well, like even if you bought in, you know, let's say you're like a mechanical kind of like nuts and bolts kind of scientist person, you know, even if you buy into muscle testing, you're still like, well, how does the body know that it's not like eating the plastic jar or something? <laughs> <laughs> right. And, but then, but it knows. <laughs> Um, the other thing too, you know, since we're dealing with kind of like information fields, quantum fields or whatever, um, and I, you know, I just don't, these are kind of the best terms I have, you know, for a thing I don't understand. Um, when the, um, applied kinesiologist who used CPK was testing me and he was doing the hand modes, he would put the sub, like the supplement on me, uh, and then to like anchor his mind to the frequency or something. He would tap it first with his left hand where he was doing the hand modes, so he'd tap it <laughs> in a certain way every time, and then he'd like bring his the hand, you know, bring his left hand over my head and you know start like figuring out a dosage and timing for it. So it was, you know th- these things, I wonder how much you know if we're <coughs> dealing with quantum information in some some way from the body. I wonder how much of these things are necessary. And you know, Mikey's story um, with you know just a diagram of the body. And getting answers from that, um, you know, I don't think there's necessarily a limitation in terms of, like, time and space even um, of, like, you know, getting these kind of diagnoses. But I kind of suspect um, that there's kind of, like, it's doing it a certain way and even maybe just repeating the way you're doing it, whether or not it's, you know, like, the way or your way or whatever um, produces, like, more consistent results. That's, That's kind of my current theory on it.
7: I would agree because one of the other advanced techniques she did was she had a a glass prism next to me which was actually just plexiglass and then she used uh, a a polarizing filter from a camera you know like photographers know what that is and she would Mm -hmm. just turn this polarization filter on this uh, plexiglass uh, thing and would use that uh, technique to get strong or weak uh, signals I can't really rem- I can't really remember what you did oh what we were working on but it, it worked and like you said wow. it's I think it's not important uh, which method exactly is used it's just um, the, the therapist has its own system and he can establish uh, the methods he wants to work with and it uh, seems to work uh, is it a mm-hmm. diagram or this plexiglass prism or uh, this tapping that you mentioned or the rubbing of the mm. fingers. It's like all different methods, but it seems to be uh, the core why it works is something within the body and the therapies. Right, yeah.
0: I, yeah it I sounds am... like it's tied in. Oh, Doug, go ahead, sorry.
6: No, your question sounds like it's related and I was about to change subjects, so go ahead.
0: <laughs> 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 well, it sounds like we have these, you know, different aspects of, uh, of what's involved here. So there's like, there's the subject, there's the therapist, there's like the information field, uh, and then there's the feedback mechanism. And the therapist can sort of calibrate their own feedback mechanism um, depending on whatever they want to use, I guess, based on their intent uh, mm. or whatever whatever makes sense, you know? So like the, the hand modes, the pendulum, um, all these different things all seem to kind of work. Um, so it's almost like you can just calibrate your own feedback mechanism. Like yeah. you said with the guy who came up with the hand modes, like maybe he just calibrated that for everybody else and now that's why it works, you know? Right. I, yeah. I, know. I think of it, it could be like, you
1: know, kind of like grooving tracks or something in like the morphic field of humanity or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. It's fascinating.
6: My, my question was um, okay. And, and I'll give a bit of a qualifier, but uh, my question is basically in your experience or having spoken to um, practitioners is there anybody who is actually untestable? And the reason that I asked that is because I was experimenting with muscle testing a number of years ago because I found out about it and thought it was really cool. Um, and I was trying to do self testing and stuff and I, I couldn't get a, um, a, a good response. Like I always tested strong for absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And even when um, trying it with other people where other people are testing me, you know, mind you, these weren't trained practitioners or anything, but just trying um, to get, uh, you know, uh, it, we were doing it with iodine to see, um, you know, how many drops I should be taking and other supplements that maybe should be done as well. And my results were always very inconsistent. Like, it, it, you know, if we tra- tested something and got an answer, then we try again five minutes later. It wasn't the same, or you mm-hmm. know, it would just be ridiculous answers. Like, oh, you should be taking 30 drops of iodine. <laughs> it's like that, that's, that. just doesn't seem like it's within the realm of possibility. So. I I, I guess my question is, is anybody untestable? And if somebody is running across these kinds of problems, if there's no such thing as an untestable person, what can they do to try and maybe correct that?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, the first thing I want to say is, is, um, you know, a key aspect of the muscle testing. Granted, yours sounds like it was problematic for a variety of reasons, possibly. Um, But a key aspect is being open to things that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you have to be open to an answer that just does not is not in your realm of possibility. <laughs> um, you know, just to, just keeping an open mind. <laughs> you just right. never know. Um, some of the results I've gotten have been weird. Um, and uh, for someone who's kind of like untestable, I mean, at that point, you know, certainly in my, I, I doubt anyone's fully, like permanently untestable. Mm. Um, but you may kind of be getting into the nuances of like, you know, like, okay, like there's something specific going on to you. Uh, and you need, like, a qualified practitioner who's got, like, the experience to kind of, like, diagnose what that is and correct it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of just, like, the standard range of people I would suspect. You know, it's, some people are easy to test. Some people have something, you know, interesting going on, strange going on uh, that has to be corrected before they can be testable. Right. But that makes me think of an interesting story, too. Um, you know, there was just one day, you know, sometimes I'll just play with a pendulum. And you just kind of see what kind of answers I get. Um, and I was in my kitchen and, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I've got my pendulum going and I'm pointing at stuff. I'm like, how's that for me? How's that for me? And I pointed this, you know, sweet potato I've got. And I'm like, how's that for me? And it's negative. And I'm like, what? Come on. I can eat sweet potatoes. That's ridiculous. I don't believe that. <laughs> and so then later, yeah, I, I deal with that. I move on with, <laughs> with my life. Um, and then, you know, later on, I go and look at the sweet potato. The thing is rotten on one end. <laughs> um, ah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Rotten sweet potatoes not good for me. That seems reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> so there is like an ele- an aspect to it of being open to data that doesn't make sense. It's, you know, I think of it as like, you know, for for gathering that kind of data, like the intellect is not the main thing being used. The, mm. you know, the body or whatever, however it's being detected, uh, is gathering the data and then it's the ju- the job of the intellect to process that data and make sense of it after gathering it
7: Hmm.
3: so could it be that certain things aren't good for you depending on timing or the seasons or where you happen to be at the moment can it be that specific
1: oh yeah absolutely i'll do that um i'll test if i should take something right now Mm -hmm. i'll be like okay should i take this right now no i'm like well all right i guess i'll take this later (laughs) (laughs) or like you know whatever
6: is it also possible that maybe the the technique i was trying because i actually played around with a a pendulum as well and found kind of similar um you know weird answers and i I get what you're saying to be kind of open to the possibility of a weird answer but uh like is, is it just maybe like that i haven't found the technique that actually works for me or is there some kind of belief system in place i mean obviously you can't diagnose this but i'm just curious if maybe the what like what could possibly be going on is there some kind of like belief system interfering in some way
1: Um, I mean, I suppose that would be possible. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know enough to kind of like diagnose that specifically. Um, you know, and, and yeah, it could be, you know, whichever technique works for you. And there could be a variety of reasons, uh, you know, for why one technique might work for a person and it might not work so well for another one. Um, which could be, you know, kind of like the, the balance the body's in currently, uh, you know, it could be, um, you know, the polarity of the person, you know, these are, these are in like the nuances that, you know, I just don't have have enough information to kind of like give, uh, you know, a really consistent answer. I would say for something like that, you know, in your case, um, you know, I would see a practitioner, um, which could be, there's also actually, I think kind of like a possibility where, you know, you're not quite sure what you're looking for. Um, And so working with a practitioner will kind of like establish you know, what you're looking for. And then like, you know, I think there's something that changes in the body where then kind of like, you know, it's that information becomes more readily apparent. You know, this is just like things, um, I was kind of experiencing when I was working with this guy, like, you know, we had, I I had like, uh, someone had brought me a cucumber in the kitchen, you know, cucumbers in the kitchen, someone had brought it. Um, and I'm just like looking at that cucumber. I'm like, Nope, (laughs) not eating that cucumber. Yeah, you know, there's just, like, this kind of sensation that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing muscle testing. It was just, like, there's some kind of, like, somehow I'm, like, interacting with that field and I'm getting a response, um, you know, just from having, like, worked with this guy for so long and, like, kind of, like, feeling the response I'm having in my body and then, you know, getting the feedback from my body to, like, calibrate kind of, like, how to interpret, you know, this internal experience I'm having. Um, it's kind of like an intuitive means.
6: process at that point.
1: Yeah, I do think of it as at least partly developing intuition. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, there's certainly, you know, for anything you're eating, there's a gut connection right there. So the gut is, you know, it's it's got a it's got its own brain and it's kind of reading these things and it's like, "Whoa, not nah, do not eat that. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do, I'm not processing that." <laughs> um so, you know, maybe it's a gut feeling. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the, or maybe it's like field detection thing. Maybe it's both. Maybe the gut is the reading instrument of the field detection. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, but I think it's something like that. Hmm. The, there was, um, to slightly backtrack to, you know, speaking of non-locality, um, you know, I've kind of like done this, you know, like, oh, let me just do some hand modes from like this person kind of thing, uh, just on the computer and just kind of see what results I get. You know, I've done this for a while. Um, I just think it's really interesting, you know, so I just gather the data. It's almost entirely useless um, because I can't, you know, actually, you know, there's, there's no way to, like, anchor it really in, like, kind of, like, something more testable beyond that. Like, you know, okay, like, yes, so I've, you know, put a hand mode next to my monitor and I'm thinking of someone and I have a pendulum. Like, do I have real answers or am I just making stuff up? Um, but I gathered data anyway, I thought it was interesting. And I did have the opportunity to correlate this data with actually seeing uh, someone in person, um, seeing a couple people in person actually. Um, and I did get the same data. So you know whether the data is accurate or not, I'm not sure, but it was consistent at least even through the computer.
5: <laughs> wow.
0: So there's an interesting backstory. I had a question that crossed my mind, and you you had mentioned that you were uh, attuned in Reiki. Is that correct? Yes. Um, Do you think that, like, would that be kind of synergistic with applied kinesiology, where you could uh, perform some kinesiology tests and then basically get an indication as to what a potential Reiki treatment might be and how it might benefit, you know, whatever the condition is? Have you ever mixed the two together?
1: I've never mixed the two together. I'm not familiar with anyone who has. I am aware of one practitioner who uh, mixed acupuncture and Reiki. Um, That sounded like something neat, but I didn't see that person. Um, The truth is I actually, uh, you know, I consider applied kinesiology to dwarf Reiki pretty much at this point in terms of its efficacy. Um, So I'm sure there could be like some way to kind of like muscle test that or, you know, diagnose like how that would be helpful um you know i think that would be possible um but i'm not sure of what it is i haven't seen anyone doing it um and you know if if someone is sick you know if uh, someone's asking me so if someone's sick and they're asking me what to do I'd send them a plasticianologist over a reiki person sorry sure. reiki <laughs> <laughs> i like reiki it's nice but you know it's it's and that again like you know the bridge between the energetic and the physical is what I see as being the most powerful aspect of applied kinesiology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting a physical fix. In my opinion, um, you know, basically, like if we're dealing with fields in the body, um, and I think there might even be multiple fields, uh, multiple dist- different systems, um, then in my opinion, in my experience, uh, correcting physical issues is a lot faster, it's a lot cheaper. Um, and more effective than like trying to correct the body from like the outside in, from the energetic field in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it seems like the so energy uh, field. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just I was going to say it seems like the the information field what uh, what is providing this feedback is actually more useful for for feedback itself for dia- for um, diagnoses uh, and then for treatment you would want to actually, like you said, get into the body and work kind of in a uh, sort of chemical, physical way.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I didn't actually thought of it that way. It's a good way to put it. <laughs> so there were a couple other neat case studies uh, that I thought I'd go into um, that had, from things I'd worked with with the applied kinesiologist. Um, so the back pain, I must admit, was one of the more stubborn problems. This is entirely corrected. Um, but, you know, at one point, so it's kind of a tension-based thing. Uh, so I went to him, and I was like, you know, I've probably got a magnesium deficiency. So, you know, what do you, what do you got? Here's half a dozen types of magnesium. I was getting serious on my testing at this point. Like, So here's half a dozen types. Which is the best one for me? How much should I take? Um, so he tested me through all of them. Some are kind of neutral. Two are positive, And one stood out as negative. tested, you know, weak to it. It was magnesium citrate. You know, he puts the magnesium citrate on me. He's like, "Don't take this. That's bad for you." And I was like, "Really?" Um, it could be a question of uh, supplement quality. You know, I think I was using a pure powder, so kind of can put that on the low end of the probability spectrum. Um, but you know, then you know, it's, it's interesting to see these kind of like nuances from uh, this testing. You know, where something should be good and in fact isn't for a person for reasons that you know, or may be mysterious, may make sense. Um, but you know, it's, that was, okay. And, um, but so yeah, though, so that was, uh, that was an interesting result, I thought. Um, <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> the other one that I thought was really interesting or, well, one of the other ones that I thought was really interesting was, um, uh, adrenal fatigue, you know, so, you know, I'd been way overworked for a while when I went to see him kind of initially. Adrenal fatigue was one of the first things we address. Um, and, you know, so diagnosing that was absolutely not rocket science. You know, a kid could have probably figured that one out. But, um, you know, so he's diagnosing it. He's like, yes, yeah, so you got adrenal fatigue. All right. So let's find out what works best for you. So he gets a couple of things, um, tries, you know, a handful of things. And we get a match on B vitamins and ashwagandha and a eleuthero tincture. And he's like, all right, so let's see which one is the best for you. Um, and so what he was doing was, and I think he was using the resonator with this, but I think it could also work with muscle testing. He basically like held the each supplement, uh, progressively farther away from my body and like where I still tested strong was the one that was best for me. And that was, um, that was kind of like a a magnetic sort of principle where like, you know, the strength of the attraction of two magnets is, uh, determined by how far away they're still attracting each other. Um, but yeah, I got that stuff. And that's also kind of like a testament to like the different quality of supplements. Um, and so that I've seen a lot with him. Um, cause you know, I bring like, it was most pronounced with, uh, the adrenal fatigue as he gave me these tinctures that he had that I think were from standard process. Um, and I took those, and it was, you know, I felt like a rocket engine on rocket fuel. I was just, mm-hmm. I had so much energy, it was crazy. Um, and then, you know, adrenal fatigue is one of my kind of longer-standing patterns, so I ended up back in that pattern again. Um, so I was like, oh, you know, I'll just pick up some ashwagandoluthor pills or whatever. They're high quality, should be good. Took those, I was like, oh, this isn't really doing anything. I was like, oh, maybe I need some tinctures. So I picked up um, some herb farm tinctures, you know, kind of like the most available standard brand of tinctures these days. Picked those up. I was like, "Yeah, these are a little bit better, but they're not really doing that much." So then I brought both of them to him, and I was like, "Ah, you know, I got adrenal fatigue again. What do you got? Um, you know, will these work?" He's like, "Yeah, they will. The dosage is like three times the amount the other one of the other ones he had. And he's like, "Now wait a second. Let's let's check this." So he should he brings the other the uh, the two uh, herbs that he was using those tinctures um, back to my field, uh, and I think he tests the dosage, then takes them away retest me on my tinctures and the dosage then which was already triple the ones that he had then doubled so it was now six times the amount that (laughs) of the tinctures he had and it was like it was that big a difference and that was something like you know i think like he put them close to my like in my field and was like you know like wow like the field my body at that point was like whoa like that's that's the good stuff that's what we could have well, we need way more of this other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Wow.
7: If I, I would like to to ask about something else that I just thought about. Um, Maybe that's a change of topic. Uh, About the accuracy of of these yes and no questions in in sessions. Um, If they depend on, also on the therapist, yes or no, um, well, I have uh, um, an idea or a theory about that, is that the, the cleaner, in quotation marks, the therapist therapist himself is, the more accurate uh, the readings, the yes and no readings are. Mm. I'm bringing this up because uh, in my sessions, I, I knew that uh, my therapist was uh, working like crazy for herself to, uh, to detox her body. Uh, she was taking chlorella and taking all kinds of measures and... Um, I, know, I also know that <clears throat> when clients came to her with uh, emotional problems that there was some kind of transference also going on sometimes mm. that uh, the clients and she is, as therapist were basically connected in, in their issues. And that's what she told me, that uh, it's not just a one uh, uh, unidirectional uh, process where a therapist Gives answers to, to the client but it's like both ways and that the therapist also has to work on himself to to make everything more, more accurate um, mm. and it kind of makes sense when I mean, you think about uh, you know with, stay with with physics uh, like um, a multimeter a very measure current um, you get an, a better reading when you have a better uh, measurement de- device mm. so uh, well, my question would be if you would see the s- same or have made similar experiences in this, in, with this in mind.
1: Um, I think I think that's definitely possible. Yeah, you know, I, I I think that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, you know, if a person is kind of like um, not working on themselves while doing the process, then uh, you know, I would suspect that they're kind of like biases. Um, going unnoticed would would show through at some point It definitely seems like I would I would expect that to be the case. Yeah
7: So it is important to find a a good therapist professional And also to learn about the therapist
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've I've seen only three applied kinesiologists so far Um, You know, the the first one blew me away like everyone in town knew this guy because he was just that good even people who absolutely would not have believed what he was doing, if he had explained it, you know, tell like the people who are not going to ask, like, well, how does this thing you're doing work? Uh, you know, I asked those things and, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, we're kind of like accessing the quantum field right now. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, I can handle that. But other people would be like, that's just some mumbo jumbo nonsense. (laughs) Um, but you know, there's definitely a, you know, can be a significant difference in quality of practitioners, uh, I saw one who was, you know, I was just generally pretty thoroughly unimpressed with. But even seeing him, he still helped me with some things. I had a hyoidal hernia going on. Um, It was That one was kind of bad. uh, So he adjusted it and that helped, gave me a couple of recommendations uh, and did some other tests. So, you know, that it still ended up being helpful. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, like, a better practitioner is always going to help more than uh, a less qualified and one who's not really, like, addressing health issues on their own.
0: I would imagine that the results would be an indicator too. I mean, if you had somebody who was just completely BSing, you know, and like, oh, I can feel that you have something going on, you know, but they, they weren't really in tune with the, the actual practice, you would not get results, you know, from that diagnosis that you got.
4: Right. And um, on the other hand, for the individual seeking to get treatment, um... Would you say that a non-anticipatory state of mind um, influences the the effectiveness of the treatment? Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely, um, you know, because I think that's part of the process uh, in terms of getting the data, because, yeah, it's, you know, um, not anticipating the outcome, being open to you know, kind of whatever possibilities they are, even if they don't make any sense. Um, you know, it's... The, those things, I think, are, you know, where kind of like the intellect is coming in and being like, well, you know, based on everything I know, the answer should be this, that, or the other, or it definitely shouldn't be these things, um, whereas the body might indicate a response that, you know, is kind of outside of that realm. Um, you know, kind of a specific example of that, uh, I took uh, iodine and selenium to an, an applied kinesiologist. I was like, well, how much should I take? And, you know, a lot of the theory we were reading behind it was basically, you know, you don't want to get too much selenium. uh, Otherwise, you know, you'll have a selenium toxicity problem. And obviously that's going to be true, you know, at some level. But the recommendations we were reading were pretty strongly on the side of don't take more than 200 micrograms a day. I went to him. He's like, take four of these a day. So it was like 800 micrograms or, you know, almost a milligram. Take four of these a day for a month and then you'll be set. That'll correct the imbalance. Um, so, you know, the that, that that dosage was outside of that realm uh, of, like, the scientific theory. <clears throat> and that's kind of, like, why I want to see more, um, you know, why I'd like to see more people kind of, like, getting these results and networking about them. Is, you know, like, okay, like, I saw an applied kinesiologist, and he tested me for this. And then, you know, as a testable hypothesis, I de- then did that, and it worked out well, or it didn't work out well, or I had these these positive things happen or these negative things, um, stuff like that. And even with iodine, you know, he gave me a range of the, the dosage was a arranged. It's like, don't take more than 18 drops of the 2% a day. Don't take less than 10. I was like, okay, that's, that's my dosage then.
5: <laughs> I have a question about the dosages. <clears throat> um, when you say that he tells you to take it for a month and then you stop after a month and you don't take it anymore after that, is that kind of what the approach is or,
1: Yeah. Generally speaking. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, it's a fascinating thing to think about. And, you know, again, even in, you know, if we're dealing with like a quantum kind of like information field, then, you know, how long do you take it exactly is an odd question, especially if it's linked with like emotional issues. Um, you know, I think, um, at least tying into the emotional issues that, you know, healing the body can help, uh, heal emotional issues. They can, you know, again, kind of like, correcting the field out from the body. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, in my experience it was, you know, take this for this amount of time and then you don't need it. And I thought of that kind of as like learning the lesson of like whatever, you know, I was like supposed to learn while I was like changing my body and my way of thinking during this process. And then at times, you know, it seemed like I didn't always learn the lesson so well, I might have to go back and take some more of something you know, whatever. There was a, another really fascinating kind of thing um, while working with him. Uh, so, you know, th- this is again kind of like the testament to like, I think where like the the place the the intellect lives in terms of like diagnosing um, problems like this. Um, you know, because I was you know low carb for years. Uh, you know, I was zero carb. I think for a year, I was like, I'm just going to do the whole zero carb thing, like. Get carbs. I don't need them. <laughs> um, and, you know, I still had all these problems and you know, whatever. Like, you know, it's very frustrating. Um, but, you know, I had that amount of time where I was like, okay, so I'm zero carb. You know, basically, like, I think I've had mold in the past, you know, candida overgrowth. If I had mold, it should be dead by now. One would think, but, and that's the but is where things get interesting. Uh, you know, I went to him. Um, and he's like, okay, like, you know, you know, I think I got mold. Do I have mold? And he's like, yes. Well, the, so that one is extremely simple. Uh, you just put your first two fingers in your belly button and then do a muscle test. And that indicates if you have mold or not. (laughs)
6: Um,
1: yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so he runs that test. Um, and I do. Um, and so, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, well, these two things, you know, I I got this supplement and I, I brought him a supplement. I'm like, will this take care of it? And he's like, it will. And I'm like, great. How long should I take it for and how much? So he gives me a dosage, just like two pills, two or three times a day for two months. And he says about two months. And I'm like, what does about two months mean? What is this kind of, give me some kind of specifics or something. (laughs) How will I know when I shouldn't take it anymore? Um, But this was remarkable because at this point, um, and his results at this point, you know, were just so consistent. You know, it didn't really matter to me whether what he did worked or not because, his, you know, he just kept getting right answers. And so, you know, I was, I was convinced of these things. Um, and then so I start taking it um, and it was astonishing. It became very, very clear how much it impacted my thinking, um, because basically, you know, a person might walk around the average day and, you know, you got automatic negative thoughts or the negative interjects. Um, and they're going to kick in sometime, uh, depending on a person's life circumstances, both at the time and in the, and from the past. Um, and you know, a bunch of them just basically vanished. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like a whole huge portion of my negative interject was just ripped out. You know, it was just gone, you know, no longer there. Um, and I was like, wow, I, I had no idea that it really impacted me this much, you know, the, that the mold was kind of like producing, you know, this quantity of chemicals that are like just negatively impacting my thinking. Um, and so, you know, months go by and I'm like, all right, so how long am I going to take this for? Like, obviously I never want mold again because it was terrible and I just don't want it. (laughs) Um, and, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. And then one day I take, you know, I'm taking my supplements and I'm like, you know, about 15 minutes later, I'm like, ow, oh, my stomach's kind of burning. You know, it's, it's not exactly reflux, it's something else, you know, I just, I don't know what it is. So I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, and eventually I'm like, well, you know, it has been about two months. Maybe that means that I don't need to take this anymore. So, you know, away from food and without taking any other supplements, uh, I take the the anti-mould supplement, and lo and behold, the thing happens again. And I'm like, wow, so that is that's that indicates I no longer need this anymore. Um, which was then really useful because now I knew kind of like an indicator for my body. you know, it's a clear indicator of like, don't take this anymore. Um, and then I could, you know proceed with either my own experiments or working with him to determine like, you know, how long I should take something. Um, which was is useful too, because, like, if I'm taking something or, you know, like, Oh, how long should I take this for? You know, how much should I take? Uh, you know, I've got a very clear indicator, um, of what I should not do, you know? So like, I don't worry about things like, Oh, you know, I took too much like selenium, for example, you know, oh, I don't, don't want to get selenium toxicity. I'm worried about that. Like long before that, you know, I'll have enough burning in my stomach to figure out what the pro like, figure out something's going on and, uh, the wherewithal to figure out something's going on, um, so it was it was really helpful in finding like, you know, learning better learning the language of my own body, and then the mold got even more interesting too because as life circumstances happen to have, um, I uh, was in a situation with a person where, where um, she also had mold and was seeing this guy, and I was in a session with her. And, uh, as kind of as like, you know, a consultant or whatever, what I thought might be going on. And I was like, well, you know, you should test her mold. Uh, and he tested her and she didn't have mold, at least with the test that I had done. And I was like, really, that's fascinating. I would have expected you to have mold, but okay, whatever. Um, then he went to see her again. I didn't go to this session. Uh, and she reported back to me and she's like, wow, you know, he said the mold is affecting me worse than kind of like these other things I have going on. And I was like, wow, really? Wait, another mold? There was another mold test? Okay. So the next time I went back to him, uh, I was like, you know, do I have other mold? Is there more mold that I could have? Um, and this is something, it wasn't even on like my mental map at this point because, you know, you, people talk about molds uh, in the body, uh, they talk about candida, basically, and that candida is in the digestive tract. Not the case. There's other mold. I have no idea where this mold lived. I don't know if it was in my brain or in my muscles or in like an organ or something, but it was somewhere and it was really, really nasty. And I don't think it was Candida either because the Candida was, you know, that was the digestive tract I could guess was the Candida. Um, and you know, kind of like produced the negative thoughts that I could then observe because they'd gone away. You know, so I had like the flavor of them, I suppose. Um, and, uh, but this mold was something else and he gave me neem for it. Um, this was before I was really kind of aware of iodine and its antifungal properties. Um, and then the, you know, the first dosage of neem I took, I was kind of like launched into a depression I hadn't seen in like a decade or more. <laughs> I felt terrible. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, everything is so awful, God. And that lasted for a solid month, it was pretty much a month of that. Um, but you know, at that point again, kind of, I know what I'm dealing with, uh, and you know, I, I know what it's doing, um, and I'm determined to get rid of it. You know, so this is this is my life, not your life. Mold, uh, you got to go. It's one, it's you or me, and it's me. So get out. Um, and what was interesting too about this, and I had noticed it too uh, with a separate thing, is that with uh, diagnosing parasites, parasites at one point too, I've been fortunate enough to have all of the broad categories of pathogens of various (laughs) (laughs) times, but as far as I'm aware, they're all gone now. (laughs) Um, you know, during this month, like, you know, basically like in working with this chemical addition of neem, uh, to treat this chemical problem, you know, I have an emotional response, you know, I'm terribly depressed. Um, and I'm thinking about my life and the things I've been doing. um, and I started making, you know, kind of dramatic changes in my life. Uh and I ended up in a situation basically kind of like um with this same person who had determined, you know, that she had mold too, um, where kind of like she wanted things from me, uh, and there was just an extreme imbalance in our in our relationship at that time. Um and, you know, I just said no. And it was this like conversation where I felt like I was battling my mold. Um, you know, like the, cause I, I was thinking about while well, doing all of these health things kind of like in the back of my mind is as above, so below, and kind of like how a health issue in the body might symbolically manifest in a person's life. Um, and you know, it was the mold in this case, in my interpretation, was just like every kind of like manipulative tactic you, in the book <laughs> just thrown at me. And I was just like, no, this isn't working. Uh, you know, again, it's you or me mold and it's me, not you, you're gone. And right at about a month, you know, uh, things in my life really took a dramatic change. Um, and having that his timing kind of like indicated to me, like this correlation of like, you know, what's going on in my life? What am I doing to change my life? Uh, and you know, how is that moving me forward? Um, and so that was, you know, just an absolutely fascinating thing. Uh, you know, to see like, you know, wow, like this was, this was the role that was playing in my mind. Um, you know, it was, it was this portion of my life where, uh, you know, I tended to do a lot of weird and crazy kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, it's a, not particularly. It's
7: a, it's a very interesting story and it shows that you only can go so far in, in healing your body without attacking the other aspects of our life, which is emotional and also intellectual. So it's like a triad that you have to keep in mind yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the other story too with that was um, I had parasites at one point, and a similar kind of thing happened. I had a long-term friend. She asked for something ridiculous, or you know, just kind of like a ridiculous situation. Right at the end of when I was treating the parasites, and I was, you know, I saw things differently. You know, I was like, well, wow, like you know what, you're kind of a parasite. And whether you are that oh. way. Because that's who you are or, you know, that's just kind of the mode you're in right now or whatever. Like this relationship isn't serving either of us. You got to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say no again. And that's the end.
3: Well, box, hmm. so. we're coming to the end of our time. I wanted to wrap up with one last question because you're obviously very, very passionate about this. And you've had a lot of experience as a patient would you ever consider dropping your computer work to become an applied kinesiologist <laughs> yourself?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have thought about it. Um, it's something, you know, I'd like, I think the approach I've been taking right now, at least is, you know, kind of just learning as like an armchair amateur applied kinesiologist or something. Um, but would I do it You know, I would, I've, I've thought about it. Um, you know, I'd have to go to school to be a chiropractor, and that'd probably take about eight years. So I'm not sure I want to make that commitment versus kind of like, well, I have a limited subset of things, and, you know, maybe I can be useful in some other way or even develop another technique that's useful in another way. You know, I'd like to be able to diagnose people remotely. Um, so that's something that's kind of on my mind. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, or, and I'm also exploring other medical systems too. I mean, you never know, there could be something even better. Um, so, we'll see, I guess.
5: Okay.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, thanks a lot, Fox, for being on. We really appreciate it. This is a fascinating show. Yeah, thanks oh, a thank lot. Thank you all for yeah, having me so thanks, folks. Thank you. Totally. Um, let's go to uh, the, um, the pet health segment for today. If you guys are down with that, uh, Zoya has a, a bit for us about uh, kinesiology for pets, uh, which should be awesome. And when we come back, we have a... Recipe um, that we mentioned last week uh, for cranberry barbecue sauce.
5: Yes.
3: <laughs>
0: Ooh.
5: Okay.
2: Hello, and welcome yes. to the Pet Health segment of the Health and Wellness Show. My name is Zoya, and today I would like to talk to you about kinesiology for animals. Kinesiology is the study of the mechanics of body movements. Uh, through muscle testing to determine weak or sore areas in need of attention. It also involves using various taping methods, especially in horses. So how does the taping in horses work? Because it's elastic and stretchable, kinesiology tape interacts with the skin, impacting the affected areas pain, neuro and mechanoreceptors and decompressing the tissue. That basically means that kinesiology tape lifts the outer layer of the skin, uh, creating more space for the tissue underneath. This allows blood and lymphatic fluid to flow more easily in a specific area. This lifting effect then continues in the next layer of tissue, then the next, and so on. Decompressing the tissue in this manner supports muscle activity because it washes, washes out waste products, allows new nutrients and oxygen to be transported to that area. It also takes away pressure from the pain receptors and therefore helps to reduce pain. Uh, Improving fluid circulation in affected area can also activate the circulatory system, which needs healing. Because it proved so successful in human rehabilitation, training and prevention, kinesiology tape and other taping techniques uh, have been adapted for use on horses as well, Uh, with some minor differences. Kinesiology tape on horses endures more than on humans because because it must adhere to hair and is exposed to a lot of dust and dirt. So a stronger, better adhesive and customized application techniques had to be developed. Depending on the direction of the taping, you can either support and activate muscle in training or rehabilitation Or you can relax a muscle that is very sore and tight. This promotes the circulation and is helpful for all kinds of swellings. It can even help relieve uh, cellulitis, an infection that occurs in tissue underneath the skin, and aggravates swelling after the acute swelling phase is over. Also, if there is a wound, scar tissue can be very rigid and sturdy, and therefore block the energy flow and range of of motion in a horse. Tape helps uh, to restore circulation to the area. In general, kinesiology tape is used to treat variety of issues. It can uh, decrease muscle spasm, reduce inflammation and associated pain, reduce swelling and edema, Uh, re-educate muscle memory, support ligaments, tendons, and joints, uh, prevent injury and speed recovery, help with injury rehabilitation, increase circulation and promote healing, and increase equine athletic potential. But as I said at the beginning, kinesiology involves also muscle testing, and this can benefit not only horses but other animals too. It is called the muscle testing through a surrogate. It is a form of muscle testing, which is very useful in checking various muscle groups for strengths and weaknesses to help determine what the proper therapy is for a pet. Essentially, uh, this is a muscle to organ to gland connection to determine what the cause of illness is. By checking the resistance of the muscle when tested against various substances, we can see if this is empowering to the body or disempowering. To test an animal, a surrogate holds the substance, a substance in his or her hand and places this hand on top of the pet's body while being tested. With a surrogate's other arm extended parallel to the ground, The therapist presses down on the arm to determine the strength of the muscle. The surrogate's ability to hold that arm upward against the pressure determines the energy field. The energy flows from the pet through the surrogate, and the weakness or strength will be visible in the surrogate's body. There will be either a strong, normal, or weak response, and the therapist can then determine structural, chemical, emotional, or energetic imbalances. Applied kinesiology can help with the following pet symptoms. Ongoing back pain, confused animals, depressed animals, pets with digestive problems, allergies in pets, uh, pet symptoms with chronic and acute fatigue, neck pain symptoms in pets, nervous system disorders in pets, nutritional imbalances, trauma from injuries, pain relief in pets, mental, physical and emotional stress, anxiety and all kinds of phobia. The method is usually being done on dogs and I couldn't find anything specific about cats or other pets but it's possibly but possibly it could be done on them as well if they were able to sit still for a lengthy period of time. Well this is definitely a fascinating topic and more research has to be done when it comes to benefits for animals. But this is it for this week. And thank you for listening. Have a great weekend, and goodbye.
0: (laughs) All right. Thank you, Zoya. That was awesome. That's definitely something that I'd be curious to try out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll have to give that a shot and see how it works. Um, Well, uh, let's see. For today, our recipe is cranberry barbecue sauce and this is no tomato no sugar barbecue sauce Um, so the ingredients are five ounces of cranberries one cup of water two tablespoons of molasses two tablespoons of worcestershire sauce which is optional um, two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar two tablespoons of lemon uh, and I think that's yeah lemon juice Uh, three tablespoons of xylitol, or whichever sweetener you prefer, one teaspoon of granulated garlic, one teaspoon of cumin, one teaspoon of black pepper. So toss the cranberries uh, into the one cup of water and boil until the berries split and then puree. Um, So you puree them down and make it into kind of a paste. Uh, Then add the other ingredients and simmer to whatever consistency you prefer. Um, You can adjust the ingredients to suit your taste. Keep in mind that the cranberries are very sour, so more sweetener might be necessary depending on what you use and what your tastes are. Um, To get it a little bit closer to the tomato-style barbecue sauce flavor, you can uh, increase the molasses. Um, And uh, also in the recipe here it says, while adding lemon and vinegar might seem counterintuitive for the already sour berries, uh, it, it also happens to kind of change the flavor profile more towards a tomato-style barbecue sauce. Um, and then if you're cooking uh, some sort of meat, like ribs or brisket, uh, then you can also collect the juices from the meat and then add some of that to the sauce as well to kind of round out the flavor. So that is the tomato-free, sugar-free barbecue sauce.
4: That sounds really nice, sounds sounds John. delicious. Um, yeah. I was wondering... You know, the cranberries, do they have to be fresh, or can they be maybe tinned
0: or you know, Frozen,
5: saying- too. Frozen works, too. Yeah. Just to defrost them first.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure about canned cranberries, if that would make a big difference or not. Um, well, you probably wouldn't need to boil them. Yeah. yeah,
5: and you wouldn't mm-hmm. need to boil the, the cranberries if they're canned, I believe. Sure, sure. I've made the so, barbecue sauce before. It is excellent. If you like it a little spicier, I would add more pepper.
0: Uh-huh. And I suppose you could add like white pepper to that as well to kind of kick the mm-hmm. heat up. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, all right. Well, that is our show for today. So thanks very, very much to Fox uh, for joining us today. That was really an awesome show. Thanks, Fox. Learned a lot. Yeah, thanks. Yeah.
1: No, oh, thank you all for having me. And if um, anyone wants like you know more information on the topic, uh, I did write an article on SOT. Uh, it's a, it, the title is the SOT exclusive: What is applied kinesiology and what can it do for you? We've got some more resources there. But thank you awesome. all for having me. It's been a great time being on. Great. I hope everyone you know is healthy and happy. Yeah,
5: And we're going to have you all experiment on us, do some muscle testing, and, and the, the dogs and the cat and the family.
6: Yeah, if you want to do yeah, some fun. practice uh, on distance uh, diagnosis, I'm, I'm volunteering for that. Right yeah. All right,
1: I'll, I'll do it.
0: <laughs> cool. cool. Sounds great. All right, well, thanks to our chat participants, and uh, thanks, Mikey, too, for sharing your testimonial about kinesiology. Um, really appreciate everybody participating today. Um, be sure to tune in to uh, the SOT Radio Show on Sunday at noon Eastern time. And if you are not in the Eastern time zone, just go to radio.sot.net on Sunday, and the, the time will be shown there for whatever your time zone is. Um, and just hope everybody has a really great re- weekend, uh, and we will be back next Friday.
4: Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye.